Welcome back to St. James Baltimore's podcast. This is Reverend Bed Nash. Today is the 15th Sunday after Pentecost, September 13th, 2020. Sermon titled, Live and Forgive Like Christ. Scripture for meditation can be found in the description below. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's message is all about forgiveness. And I'm fairly confident that you all have heard that word before, or you've even had some sort of experience with it in one way or another. Forgiveness. Of course, this is why we all attend church. To be forgiven and to hear the truths of God's scripture for our lives. Church is where sinful people come for healing, to be refreshed, to be recharged with God's gifts for our life. If you went to church last Sunday or today or whenever you normally attend church, you probably confessed your sins at the beginning of the service and spent some silent time to reflect and confess those personal things that you might have in your heart or your mind. Afterwards, then, the pastor would come and forgive you in the stead and by the command of Jesus Christ with his word and his authority, as if God himself was forgiving your sins. And that's the main purpose of church. The first and foremost reason why we attend. To interact and to engage with God's word as he truly delivers to you all that he's promised. And to release you from the sins that you've committed. Of course, there's numerous other reasons and experiences as to why we attend church. And they might include, but they're not limited to, seeing dear friends and family worshiping in song and hymn, having an emotional recharge. But at the top of that list is God's forgiveness in word, confession and absolution, and through his body and blood in the Lord's Supper. That's our calling as Christians, and that's how we continually live as Christians, in God's forgiveness. Constant confession and absolution, that's the ebb and th- flow of our Christian life on this earth. But without this first understanding and reception of forgiveness, how can we expect to understand or interact or even engage in forgiving our brothers or sisters who have sinned against us? Or expect them to forgive us when we've sinned against them? It all has to come and start from somewhere. If you take a look at our gospel lesson for today, the parable that Jesus tells his disciple concerns forgiveness. And we notice Peter asking the question, what sets this all in motion? And he has a question about forgiveness. He says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I must forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And if you think about it, from our own perspective, Peter's inquiry is, Well, it's not too ridiculous. We would probably want some sort of guidelines for interaction between those who've harmed us and wronged us. We'd like to know how to deal with it and, well, how many times is too many? But Jesus responds with hyperbole. Jesus doesn't give Peter a precise answer, but one that is beyond being able to be counted. Jesus explains to Peter through the use of that parable that we read That followers of him, Christians, are to be forgiving just as much as they have been forgiven. 
That's the life of the Christian. And so we might ask, just like Peter did, Lord, how many times must I forgive this person? And the answer is always, as many times as they come confessing and seeking out forgiveness. Okay, well, we know how often we ought to forgive, especially when someone comes confessing their sins and wrongs that they've done against us. But what is forgiveness? By the original definition concerning the Greek word that's used in our text today, aphiemi, it has to do with releasing. To forgive is to release someone else from the retribution and retaliation that, according to normal human relationships and even God's law, the very well thing that they deserve to receive. And that's exactly what is happening in our worship service and exactly where the Lord has promised that we can certainly be sure of our forgiveness. And that's the reason why we hold so dearly to our Christian tradition of confession and absolution in the worship service. Because just as God would forgive his people of old in the temple where his presence dwelt, Wherever God's word is properly proclaimed and his people have gathered, there now is his presence as well. And we have those things in the worship service. We have at least two or three gathered, and we certainly have God's word proclaimed. And if your pastor is doing his job, then he's proclaiming it in truth and purity. You can be sure of God's presence there. Today, or whenever you did confess your sins, especially in the corporate realm of worship, you were released from the punishment that you deserved, which is separation from the Lord, and instead, you were restored back to the state of your baptism with the name of the Lord placed upon you in the absolution in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God's name is placed back upon you. You return back to that name given to you in baptism. What powerful stuff is that? You have been forgiven. So because of this beautiful exchange, and the new life that you have now been restored to, what do we do? How are we to live as this new creation? Just as Christ says to Peter, we in turn release those who have wronged us from the retribution and the retaliation that they deserve. For we forgive as we have been forgiven. So we encourage them, if they have not already to seek forgiveness from the Lord as well, and to actually repent, meaning to turn away. Just as we promised in our repentance to the Lord, we implore those whom we have forgiven to turn back to the Lord. We do this because it's not that we get the opportunity to sin as much as we want during the week, just so we can come to church to be washed clean of our awful deeds. Instead, we've been created anew so that we might adhere to the laws of the Lord, and in fact, Rejoice in them. Listen to what Paul explains to the Romans in chapter 6 of his letter to them. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But instead, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Therefore, we continue in sanctification and growth in the Spirit to not let sin reign in our mortal bodies. And we encourage those whom we have forgiven to seek out repentance from the Lord. 
For while we may have forgiven them for the sin committed against us, there needs to be some reconciliation between them and the Lord. So we show them mercy just as the Lord has shown us mercy. Especially do we show mercy to our brothers and sisters in Christ because we are of the same body. We do that because we are one. But also, we're called to love our enemies as well. But really though, back to our question posed a few moments ago. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Have you ever struggled with that, just like Peter? I mean, we know the Lord's answer. But sometimes, in our process of forgiveness, we just can't shake those emotions that might be left behind, even after we've forgiven someone. And oftentimes, the forgiveness that we give or that we receive doesn't change the consequences left behind from the sinful act that occurred. And so that's why Jesus tells Peter forgiveness is a never-ending cycle, especially in the human-to-human relationship. So we can be sure of the life-giving blood of Christ that forgives us and restores us to salvation, a forgiveness that we should never doubt because it's the Lord's promise that he's made to us, and he always keeps his promises. But the forgiveness that we have between a brother and a sister might not always feel that way, and it might not always seem certain, especially since our minds can become clouded with emotional doubt and anxiety. And so while we should never doubt the forgiveness that comes from the Lord concerning our own sin and our salvation, we as humans do sometimes doubt the forgiveness given from brother to brother or sister to sister. During my preparation for this sermon, I came across some advice written in a pastoral section of one of my commentaries, and I truly believe that it helps with this explanation of forgiveness and comfort that forgiveness can have this side of heaven in a sinful world. Listen along to what forgiveness is, what it looks like, and how it's carried out between sinful humans seeking to live in the life that they've been given from the Lord. It's from a section titled, Some Pastoral Reflections. Forgiveness as a decision and repeated forgiveness. And as you listen to these selected sentences that I read, continue to focus on times in your own life when you have been forgiven by somebody and sometimes that you have forgiven somebody else. The author writes, The first thing to emphasize is this concerning Matthew 18 and Peter's question of forgiveness. God takes the initiative in Christ Jesus. The parable is told by Jesus to his disciples. He's called them, and on the strength of his word, they are already following him. God's forgiveness is always first and foundational. It's never earned or elicited or merited in any other way or any extent by us as the result of anything that we have done or gained. So essentially, the forgiveness that we receive finds its start in the Lord, given to us by Him. And it's not something that we deserve, but rather the forgiveness that we receive on Sunday mornings or in our corporate worship time concerning our salvation is truly a gift of grace, something that's not earned by us, something that we don't deserve, but something that's earned by the Lord Himself through Jesus Christ. 
And then the author continues a few paragraphs later to speak about the process of forgiveness, especially as Christians concerning our human limitations as we understand our lives as simultaneously saints and sinners. He writes, The second thing I might emphasize is that it is helpful, at least at times, to distinguish between the decision to forgive another and the internal emotions that a Christian may or may not experience in relation to one another. Forgiveness can readily be seen as a spirit-led choice, an act of the regenerated will of a disciple, and the emotions may, however slowly, follow along in agreement, or they may need to be dragged kicking and screaming into the new situation. The disciple may very well have chosen to release the other person from the debt. The emotions, however, can take a lot longer to get on board with that choice. Nevertheless, throughout a perhaps very long period of dissonance between the prior act of forgiving and the current emotions of hostility or anxiety, disciples should not doubt the fact of God's unlimited forgiveness for themselves in Jesus Christ, nor should they doubt the efficacy of the past act of declaring the other person forgiven. Emotions may cloud the mind and heart, but they cannot trump the promises of God. I want to make a note about the distinguished differences between the forgiveness that we receive from the Lord and the forgiveness that we give to each other. Not so much that it's one is a true forgiveness and the other isn't. No, they're both truly forgiven. But when we ask forgiveness from the Lord concerning a particular sin, it is forgiven. We should never doubt it. It is his word coming to us. He's promised us that. And although we might commit that sin again at another time, when we ask forgiveness from the Lord, let us never doubt that that sin is truly removed as far away from us as the east is from the west. But as that author continues to explain forgiveness that we might give to each other, he explains about the different insecurities that we might have because of our human fragility as humans, both as saints and sinners. He continues, For each other, however, I would cautiously suggest that we should not be surprised to discover that we may need to forgive others and may need to listen to the forgiveness pronounced by others more than once for the same sin. When a sin causes wounds that takes years to heal or perhaps scars that will be evident until the end of this earthly life, the process of healing and restoration for all persons involved may take repeated mutual confessions and absolutions. And so what he's getting at is that when it comes to our lives together on earth, especially as brothers and sisters in Christ, we deal with each other in love. We do not repay evil with evil. We do not try to avenge the situation because that's what the authorities are for who have been placed above us and instituted by God to carry out justice when there's something wrong. We do not take a life of somebody else because something was forced upon another either. Rather, we forgive them and look to the beauty of the situation that unfolds. And while there are certainly still physical, emotional, and sometimes legal consequences for sins committed by us or against us, we trust in the Lord in humility, our calling to forgive just as we have been forgiven. And everything that we've discussed over these last few podcasts comes around again in this teaching of Christ, our vocation and our calling, the authorities that are placed above us. We live according to the good things that the Lord has bestowed upon us through his death and resurrection. So when the time comes and we think about forgiveness that may need to be had, and that question arises like Peter, and we ask, Lord, how many times must I forgive? The answer is 
always. We take our spot of humility in the presence of the Lord and others, allowing his truth and work to shine through us. And it's in this struggle that we may need to forgive and to be forgiven by others more than one or two or perhaps over and over and over again. This does not mean that we have refused to forgive another or have never been absolved in our personal relationships with each other on earth. It just means for the sake of fragile human relationships and peace of spirit, we need to forgive again. And so while the Lord forgives us constantly when we confess, we too forgive constantly, even at times if it's something that's been forgiven again, because we are a weaker being as humans. And so thanks be to God that he deals mercifully with his creation. Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Amen.